Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What's up, people? Welcome back. It's Augustino Zoido. Welcome to the Homeschooled Podcast. Kind of. Uh, something a little bit different here for you guys today and um it's just because my schedule is so tight that um i've been i've been telling my buddy that i was gonna do uh, his podcast for a while and today's really the only day i had to do it but i also haven't released one of my own podcast episodes this week so we decided to kill two birds with one stone and do a swap cast so thank you guys for tuning in to homeschool podcast one more time so you get to listen to uh, his podcast in this episode where he's uh, interviewing me um, about, um, you know, just my stand-up past and um, things like balancing a day job and following your dreams and balancing a relationship and following your dreams and so on and so forth. And, and um, you know, it just what inspires you to to write and be stand-up. I think it's super helpful, if especially if you do stand-up or if you're thinking about doing stand-up or you're just new at it. I think that um, it was a good conversation. I had a really good time, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. Um, before we begin, let's do a couple things. I want to tell you guys about some dates that I got coming up, and I also want to tell you guys about um, uh, let's do let's do the Oscar nominations thing again. If you're new here, and uh, we we've been doing this segment sometimes before or after podcasts, where I'm going through the all the Oscar nominations and winners from I started at 1973. And we're just going down the line. And I, I like to look at it to see what I have seen and what I haven't seen. And maybe I, I should watch it if I haven't seen it. And I also like to pick on the Oscars a little bit because they tend to get it wrong. Of course, we got the Oscars coming up, which I normally like to watch and get mad at because they never seem to pick the right thing. And my theory is, is that uh, it's not a theory, but I, I, I just feel that the the Oscars always gives it to something that we will we'll only watch once just because, you know, it was nominated. So we go and we watch it just to say we watched it and then you never watch it again. But there's always like a movie that that you watch over and over and over again throughout the course of your life that that should have won. Um, so things like that, for example, um, or I suppose this is a bad example, uh, Forrest Gump, you know, Forrest Gump actually did win Best Picture. So you could say that that was that they got it right that year. And that's something that you'll watch over and over and over again. But then there's been other years where they give it to something that I never would watch. Um, so let's see, where did we leave off last time? Did we leave off? Uh, the, yeah, we did 2007 last time. In case you missed it, the nominees were uh, Babel, which I never seen, Letters from Iowa Jima, which I never seen, Little Miss Sunshine, which I've seen, um, The Queen, I have not seen, and The Departed, which I have seen. 
thousands of times and the departed one they got it right that year i think that little miss sunshine is great the other stuff um i've never seen and so again if you guys see something that you uh you know that you any, any of these that i just mentioned that i said i hadn't seen please message me if you're like hey you got to see that one that one's great or you owe it to yourself and i'll make sure and go and watch it because i i'm always looking for new movies and i like the drama stuff i like the nominated stuff let's see um all right so we're on 2008 this time all right everybody make sure it's quite okay so in uh let me see here So in 2008, here was not here's what was nominated for Best Picture: Atonement, Juno, No Country for Old Men, Michael Clayton, There Will Be Blood. Okay, and you know what won? No Country for Old Men. Um, here's the thing. Okay, I think uh, I've I've seen No Country for Old Men. I like it. I've only seen it that one time that it was nominated, and I haven't seen it since. But I actually was speaking with someone recently about watching it again because i haven't watched it in a really long time and i um i remember liking it i remember it being good but i don't remember being blown away so maybe i need to give that a rewatch. um now that i'm older i probably can appreciate it uh, i have however watched there will be blood a couple of times and um i don't know for me this is like a pretty weak year atonement uh it, it was pretty whatever juno i don't i have no idea why it's even nominated um michael clayton i tried to watch i think it turned it off like halfway through but personally i'm not a big fan of george clooney um so yeah for me i think there will be blood would would have should have won but uh, i don't know what do you guys think and that year best actor nominees were george clooney uh johnny depp for sweeney todd and um I mean, Johnny Depp is great. He's a great actor. He's been nominated a few times before. He he never really wins on on some occasions. He's really deserved to win. But um, uh, I feel like this would be a great like Golden Globe nominee. And I don't know if I see him being like nominated for Best Actor for that. Tommy Lee Jones for In the Valley of Ela Elea. I've never seen that. Viggo Mortensen for Eastern Promise. I've never seen that, but I like Viggo Mortensen a lot. The winner was Daniel Day Lewis for There Will Be Blood, which I agree with. Actor in a supporting role, uh, Casey Affleck for The Assassination of Jesse James. I've actually never seen that one. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman for Charlie Wilson's War. That I've seen. Uh, it's okay. Hal Holbrook, Into the Wild. Tom Wilkinson for Michael Clayton. And uh, Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men. And the winner went to Javier Bardem, which I, I'm sure he deserved. I, don't, I haven't seen the movie in so long. I don't really remember. I'd like to go back and watch the Casey Affleck performance because I'm curious now, but um, I'm surprised that the dude from from There Will Be Blood didn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actor. What's his name? Um, Paul Dano. He was just the Riddler in the most recent Batman, and in and There Will Be Blood, he's the priest. That dude should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. What happened there? Best Actress this year uh was let's see they've got Kate Blanchett for Elizabeth the the golden a I, I I don't even know what this is Julie Christie for away with from her never heard of it Laura Linney for the savages Ellen Page for Juno and um doesn't even go by Ellen Page anymore what's that what's a, what's his name now 
Eli Page or some shit. I don't know. Um, the winner went to Marion Cotillard for Levy and Rose, which I've never heard of. And I don't know. I don't know who I would would I would have picked for this. I'm surprised the chick from Sweeney Ty wasn't nominated then. In that case, supporting actress, you've got uh, Kate Blanchett for I'm Not There Yet. Kate Blanchett also for another movie. Wasn't she nominated? Yeah, and she had a Best Actress and Best Act- Supporting Actress in one year. Two different movies. Didn't win either one. The winner went to uh, Tilda Swinton for Michael Clayton. Uh, also nominated Ruby D for American Gangster. I like American Gangster. It's a pretty decent movie. Um, uh, some some chick from Atonement, which I can't even say her name. Amy Ryan from uh, Gone Baby Gone. I don't even... Oh, it rings a bell. I don't think I ever saw it. Best Director, we got the... De- the Diving Bell and the Something. Uh, I, I, I never saw that movie. Jason Raitman for Juno. Michael Clayton directors. Tony Gilroy. There will be Bud. Blood. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I could see that winning, but it didn't win. No Country for Old Men director. Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen won that one. I'm also not a big fan when there's two directors. Not a big fan of those movies. Sometimes I can tell before I even knew that there were two directors, there's two directors from watching the movie. Anyway, what do you guys think? Did I get it wrong? Did the Oscars get it wrong? Did they get it right? And is there any stuff that I haven't seen that I should see? I'd love to hear your feedback because uh, I like to know it. Always looking for suggestions. Anyway, now let's get to it. Um, uh, As I mentioned earlier, this is a swap cast. My friend uh, asked me to do his show. And um, so he's interviewing me. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll see you next time. And I hope to see you at an upcoming show somewhere. I'm Augustine Zoida. Enjoy the rest of the show. Please take your seats. School is now in session. Welcome to Homeschool Podcast. Homeschool. The Homeschool Podcast. Why? Because it was homeschool. It's time to document the journey. Alternate Take, what is up, you guys, man? We brought you guys an awesome guest, man. We brought you guys the comedian, Augustino Zoido. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good, dude. Just fucking having a good time doing a podcast, man, with uh, someone I looked up to for a long time, man. So I'm excited to do this. Oh, dope. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, That was first impression was way back in the day on the church, man. I've been a fan ever since, dude. So uh, pretty stoked to do this for sure. Yeah, no worries. I, I hope I'm a good guest. So far, I already hated what I said. Hey, how are you? I feel like that's such a generic, right? <laughs> How's the but, weather? <laughs> oh, shit. That's you're, cool. You're, you're, you're like, talk to cam girls online <laughs> and you like hit them up and they're like, hey, and you're like, how's your day? You're like, bro, she probably hears that all day. <laughs> I don't have much experience with cam girls yet, but <laughs> I mean, me either. It's just an example. <laughs> I'm lying. I was trying sorry, to get- man. I'll, I'll let you take the reins. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I was trying to get you to admit that you talked to cam girls. We're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> right on, brother. Um, but yeah, man, it's been a long time, dude. Um, and um, I'm a fan of you, but I want the listeners to be even more fan of you, man. So uh, do me a favor, man. Tell them your your roots, dude. Tell them where you're from and uh, who Augustona Zoda is, brother. Sure, man. Um, it's uh, it, it's Augustino Zoida, by the way. Sorry, sorry. Augustino is it's a it's a it's a little bit hard uh, uh, Italian name to do it. But yeah, um, raised Italian Catholic man. I was raised in Los Angeles, California, and um, 
it, it, very rare for stand-up comedians to come from here. <laughs> like they end up here, but uh, to be born here is very uh, something very unusual. And um, yeah, I started I started stand-up when I was twenty, and um, that was fourteen years ago. This month, I just I just hit my fourteen-year anniversary. Damn. What'd you, what'd you start at? Where? where? Yeah. Well, like what clubs were you hit when you first started? The first open mic I ever did was at the improv on Melrose. Shit. They just straight to the fucking, to the big leagues, man. Fuck it. Well, that was a place that I was going to all the time. That was like, uh, you know, I was frequenting there at, as a patron and, um, you know, just, just having a great time watching shows and just, you know, telling myself I'm going to do it one day. And then one day when I told myself, okay, you know, no more excuses, pick a date and do it. Um, I went there and I went to their website to see if they offered an open mic. And of course they did. And uh, on Tuesdays. So um, that, that I was like, well, this is a place I'm going to do it. Oh man. I love that, dude. I have the same like feeling when I, I, I let mine's always been Brea. Brea's closer to where I live or grew up at least. And um, you go there every time, and I'm I'm always there having a good time, but I'm always there studying too. I'm just there watching, um, trying to like pick up ideas, and get inspired, like see how they put bits together, shit like that. I'm more there for that than I am to like actually like uh, go ha 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 having a, such a great time, you know. Like unless I'm going on a date <laughs> or some shit, you know. Um, but I'm just like a like a lover of the of the game, man. I've always been like a big student of the game, like you do. I go to study. Um, but I, I genuinely just love the the craft. Uh, I, I mean, I listen to it in the car. I, I mean, for study and for entertainment, um, you know, I sit at home and I'll put on specials. And lately, the specials all kind of suck. And I, I just I like go on YouTube old ones, you know, um, I, I'm just like that type of guy. And I think that you should if you want to be a comedian, I think that to a certain extent, like you shouldn't watch so much because you don't want to be like, like influenced. Like um, something that I constantly struggle with is that people tell me that I sound like Bill Burr and <laughs> it annoys me so much, which it, it shouldn't because it's a compliment. I love Bill Burr. He's obviously one of my favorites and I'm obviously heavily influenced on him. And I watched a lot of him coming up. Um, and then uh, not to mention like my family's from the East coast. I, I lived in Boston for a little while. So I, my onstage persona comes out like a loud East coaster. Okay. And um, I've noticed that my crutch is when I'm trying a new joke, I'll do it in like Burr's voice. <laughs> and it's like, I, and I, and I hate it, 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 but it's like a crutch because I haven't found it in my own voice yet. And uh, so that's something that I'm, I'm going through because I just watch so much of the same people, but I think it's really important to watch the, you know, and, and just study, just study and, you know, maybe not just one person, like a, a lot of different styles. And um, I, uh, I think that live is the best way to do it. Um, I think that's the best way to experience stand-up comedy is live. Uh, second best, I think, is audio to listen to them, like on like Spotify, Pandora, something like that. Listen, buy their album and, and listen to it while you drive and stuff like that. And I think the third best way is to actually watch it on TV. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. That's actually that's probably the best order to put that in, man. Um, and it, it is true, dude. I see I hear a lot of comedians talk about how um tough it is to find their voice and there's moments where they where they're where they're hitting on all angles and they really are finding it and it works, and then there's times where they're not, and it just happens, man. And 
it's it's also like a form of flattery, right? And when sometimes when you're impersonating somebody, sometimes that's kind of it's maybe you're thinking, oh, this bit. Maybe it's even like you think this bit's better for him than it is for me. That could even possibly be a thing, you know? Who knows? Um, yeah. But, um, I I do find that pretty freaking awesome, man. Because I did the same when I was a kid, man. Um, for me, it was a, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a, an Italian kid, but I was a Mexican kid. So like, you had we had George Lopez in our house. We had Paul Rodriguez in our house, you know. Um, then I got into the life. Grew up with George Lopez in the house, man. Like that, that 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 when I was real young, my family would sit in the living room and like us kids on the floor, and we would just watch his specials, man. Yeah, that was when the specials were coming back. That was like the first special I can remember watching is is Why You Crying by George Lopez. Yeah, dude, I was gonna say that that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. CD was in my car, and like we would do the same. It was... Boxing matches and and comedy was the only things. Where, I mean, my family got together for the living room. Maybe some Christmas shit later on down the year. But um, when that came on, then El Mas Chingon later, it was like for me that was like the only comedy I could really understand because it was just I was young. I didn't get. I I didn't really understand like the nuances of like adult humor yet. So, but I understood what he was talking about for that because it was relatable to my life. Like especially to any Italian, same shit. You have the crazy grandmas. You have all that stuff. So um, I understood that. But then later on when I finally started getting to more comedians, you know, that's like, I actually like of all my favorite Latin comments is probably Willie Barsena because it's, he talks about the Latin stuff a little bit, but he's just way more of a complete comic. Like the dude talks about everything. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, and I found that I was like, Oh, like no disrespect to George and what he's doing. Um, but George was my intro to comedy. And I, I felt like I graduated later to like a Willie. I think he's just, in my opinion, I think he's just overall much, much better, but, um, no, I totally get that. Willie, do I? I've, I mean, I've worked with Willie on on several occasions, and he's always has his notebook with him. Like he's a writer, and I'm not saying Lopez, George Lopez, is not, but he. I, I feel the same way. Like I was introduced to stand up watching like like a George Lopez type guy, you know. And still to this day, my parents will quote that spe- that special, you know. And we we really as, as like you know pa- parents that came from immigrants, they really related to it, or if just grown up poor, it was really relatable. But me, I also graduated to other things. When I found out about stand-up, when I started going live, and you saw like the writers that were like smart writers, like your Burrs and Willie Barson has always got a notebook, bro. He's all about structure. And that's kind of like, you know, like take a guy like, uh, what's the guy with the puppets? Uh, crap. I forgot that's his name. He's uh, like in the early 2090s. Yeah, you're talking about that guy? Um, Dunham, Jeff Dunham. Dunham, okay. So Jeff Dunham, I, I mean, God bless him. The guy's made a wonderful career. He, you know, he'll go to Vegas and do a hotel and sell out. And it, it I mean, he's like, I, I read somewhere that like next to Seinfeld, he was like one of the highest paid standups for live, for live people that people watch, go, go see live. And my family loves him. Like my parents love him. To me, it's mindless comedy. To me, it's like nowhere near. I mean, not, I'm not saying anything offensive. Like the guy's not funny. I'm, I mean, I don't, puppets isn't stand up for me. Like when I got into stand up, when you started to see the real stand ups, it was like, oh man, it was all about structure, stage presence, these guys that took like brilliance, things that people weren't allowed to talk about. 
and still aren't and just made it something whole other ball game yeah to, to me it's a lot like it's a lot like music it's like if someone's like yeah dude i, I love van halen and then they mentioned like the first two records. You're like, yeah, it's awesome. Like everyone fucking loves it. But if they mention like fair warning, then you're like, all right, I can, I like this fucking guy, <laughs> you know, same with Metallica. Like if there's certain, I love master of puppets. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Fucking well, who the fuck doesn't, you know, but then they mentioned right. like that, that unique song from like, you know, on justice for all that no one listens to you're like, Oh shit. Okay. And then it's the same thing. You know, like once you get into comedy, you just, you go deeper into the hole and you find in all these just different levels of the comics, man. And like, you know, it's, it's tough to not be um to not be an impersonator at some point you're like when i think that's the first thing everybody does when you first start getting into comedy whether you're seven or eight or nine or even fucking 40 some people get into comedy so late is like you watch it your whole life you don't even know who your favorite is because they come from so many different backgrounds like you know i love watching bernie mac when i was a kid like jesus christ man just a murder up there um but so much different than a george lopez right and then get older you start seeing like the likes of like a delia tom segura and and bill burr like you said and the comedy store they're just there all the fucking time there's 30 killers every fucking night so it's hard to like when you leave you're kind of overwhelmed you're like i don't know uh which one i'm like i don't even know if i want to be like any, any of them but i'm impressed by everybody and like how do i get my foot in the door i think that's everyone struggles like how do i get my unique humor into that door without sounding like I'm stepping on anybody's toes. No one wants to be known as a unoriginal person, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, man, um, I like to think that I'm pretty good at it. I've been doing it for 14 years. I don't think I'm the best. I don't think I'm the worst. I think I'm pretty good at it. I get paid to do it. Let's just leave it at that. But yeah, uh, there are certain guys that I see live all the time that just make me think I have no business doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm pretty decent. And like, you know what I mean? Like I'll do shows. And I'm like, Oh, I'm really happy with the way my set went, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll be like chilling at the store waiting to go on. And, and like Burr will pop in and he goes up there. Man, I was, it was like a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months, maybe, maybe like two months ago, I was sitting at the comedy store. I was supposed to go up in the belly room and Burr comes and sits down on the chair next to me. And they're like, well, he's going to go on next. And I go, sure, no problem. You know, and 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 uh, he's like got his phone out with notes written on it, like new new jokes. And he's like, I got to try some new stuff. Let's see if I remember how to do this. Like, you know, <laughs> and bro just went on stage and murdered with new <laughs> ideas, just like stuff that was premises. And he was just riffing out and like checking his phone and go, okay, let's try this one. And like, just, you know, and I was like, dude, he is just, just the way he moves and, and uh, works a crowd with new stuff blows me away. And that's why it's so important to go and watch these guys live. You know um, it's, it, it's so important because, because it trains your mind to, to now you shouldn't be taking, stealing their persona. You shouldn't be, stealing jokes obviously but you are like learning how to be a stand-up you're learning the like how to transition from the place you are to the next level by watching little tricks and just watching them and it trains your mind how to think you're constantly thinking stand-up like if you go to a movie and let's say you watch like a like a marathon of fucking fast and the furious right yeah. When you leave, don't you feel like driving a little fast? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You know, that's what yeah. it's like. like that or like, buy a white beater or some shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a little crucifix around your head. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like family. You start driving. No, uh, you know, things like that. Like if you if you when you leave like a fighting movie, you feel like going 
fucking somebody up, right? Like, or a bank heist movie. Like, you just feel like adrenaline. And when I watch stand-up, especially live all day, when I leave and I go out and I live my normal life, my brain is just always thinking in terms of, this: is this a joke? It's just the way that it is, you know? So everything that I'm doing, I'm thinking like, that could be a bit, that could be a bit. And it's just good to have that side of your brain working because if you don't, there's things that you'll happen in your day and you'll be like, you'll never make it into a joke. Like you never even think of it. Like there's no way that could go into a set. But when you're constantly living and breathing stand up and you write and you watch people and it's just the way your mind works, you can't turn it off. Like everything is a, is a bit. And some of it probably isn't, but you never know until you try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that, man. That's the, that's the way. A, a comedian a comedian's brain actually does work man you got to go all the fucking time and i honestly think that's how there's a lot of comedians that are getting successful quicker now too is because they've they spent so the comedy's just been so popular like the last like 10 years um that there's so many people that have just been going just for fun who have got that itch to go but they've been studying for so much longer as to where a lot of comedians like historically great ones a lot of them didn't really go that much to stand-up shows growing up um, maybe they had a few records growing up, you know, but that's about it. And then they just kind of went and did their thing. But there's every comedian now who's, you know, new into the game five years and, and less. You know, these guys, most of them have been to like hundreds and hundreds of comedy shows already. Just I, like, again, like you said, as a patron. So um, maybe indirectly or subconsciously not even realizing they're learning the whole damn time, you know, and that's it's huge, man. I, I do agree with you, man. And who who didn't see Rocky and fucking start shadow boxing after the movie? I mean, everyone. Did, Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, yeah, that's a good example right there. I mean, I mean, Seinfeld says that if you go back and watch some old Seinfeld documentaries, he says that there was no such thing as the headliner comedian when he decided to be a comedian. It was just a guy who went on stage to to do jokes. There was no promise of like money or a career. You know, he imagined being like, you know, a young Jewish boy telling your parents that you graduated college and now you're going to, you know, just be a comedian, which was not a career. There was no such thing as it yet. And uh, it, it, it's it's just insane, man. Like, and then, yeah, like you were saying, fast forward to today, the audience is so much more educated than they ever have been because of stand up specials. Like, you know, you, you used to be able to go up in front of a, an audience and if you were an okay comic, you would get away with it. You know, you might make some people laugh with your, with your hacky shit, but like audiences are so smart now. They're like, we know what's trash. Like we watch YouTube, we got Rogan, you know what I mean? Like if you want to be a stand-up comedian, you have all this access to free information. Somebody can listen to this podcast right now. And hear things that they wouldn't have heard. You know, if you start stand up, when I started stand up, there weren't conversations like this on podcasts. There wasn't Rogan telling you, you know, the ups and downs of it and how to write and how not to write. You know, you go listen to Joey Diaz's podcast. You can hear all these tips about being a comedian. And it just didn't exist back then. Yeah, absolutely. So, That's true, man. I, I, I think more educated and comedians are more educated than ever. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I think it's true. The, the audience is definitely more educated, but I think uh, just the natural, the natural way a comedian is, they'll usually be one step ahead of the crowd, anyways, which is good because you're always preparing for what they're, what they're, you think they're prepared for. You're a pitcher, man. Like, you know, when the when the hitter comes up, you already know that motherfucker's thinking fastball, so you're throwing changeup. Like that's the job of a comedian. Like mess with them before they mess with you, essentially. And and that's what a that's what a crowd respects more than anything, anyways, is someone who's um, 
like super quick witted, regardless of, of how anything goes down. I mean, like it's sort of like like the audience will be super smart, but at the same breath will like some bullshit rap music. And then rap music has nothing to do with nothing, but it just sounds fast and it sounds that sometimes you can be that in a comedian where you're just I don't even say much, just boom in your face, and like a crowd be like, "Fuck, that's it, that was good." That, I don't even know what happened, but it was in the blink of an eye, and I'm laughing. I don't even know what happened, and um, it could be that delivery as well, man. And and I love that about it, man. Is that there's so many different obstacles they're gonna go through. It's not it, like how many sets do you go through that are just clean, where there's fucking no interruptions by a crowd, or no one's fucking phone going off, or no one um objective like, "Hey, I, that was offensive to me," or or fucking someone fucking up the lights. How many times that ever happened? Most probably like. You know, three out of ten were smooth, no inter- no interruptions, nothing. So the perfect shows, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most of the time, sure, you're getting fucking hecklers, and and that's that's those are curveballs too, man. And like, I, that's tough because especially if you're into comedy for just making people laugh. Some some comedians aren't like naturally mean people. Like they're that's just not in their body. And then you get a heckler, and now you have to be mean. And you're like, fuck, I don't like fucking doing this shit but you kind of have to right like if you don't make if you're not mean to this person then this they're gonna fucking ruin your show i'm a writer like that's the type of stand-up i am i'm by the book i'm the guy with the notebook you know what i mean and and uh i like doing the bits that i wrote for you and i don't like hecklers obviously we don't like hecklers but i don't i don't want to talk to you like i don't want to you know what i mean it's yeah. it's a really good tool to have if you are good at it if you can handle a crowd you should know how to handle a crowd because there will be hecklers but like i'm the guy that just doesn't want to do it you yeah. know i want to be by my book yeah and Man. i like i like that comedy better anyways i don't like fucking conversations and shit i i've been to shows where it's literally just crowd work and it's like hey man like i i respect it because i'm not i can't never do that but also like skill unless it's not a skill i just just don't think it's very entertaining for for the other people that you're not talking to to watch you have a conversation with some guy in the crowd like i just i don't know when i go to a show i mean but everybody's different some people like that stuff with interaction with all with the whole crowd but personally i like to go watch comics and i want to see you know i just saw louis ck last month and i went to go see him and i i bought tickets to see him and i wanted to see what's the newest material he's working on i want to hear the material um with that being said i think that comedians also need to learn how to be in the moment and be in the room just because you are a by the book by the script person who wants to get out all your jokes that you're all excited to tell and um but you have to be in the moment otherwise you just kind of fall into like in your head you'll be in your head a lot while you're on stage and you, you'll end up sounding like you're reading a script, you know, and I definitely think that uh, that's something I constantly been reminding myself of lately because I'm so by my script that I, I forget to be in the moment and I'll catch myself on stage. I catch myself like not being in the moment. First of all, like somebody will say something and I won't even address it. Most of the time it's because I just want to get back to, I just want to get through my thing. I don't have a lot of time, but, um, I also catch myself being in my own head. Like I can, I don't know how to describe being in your own head, but the only way that I can describe it is like, if you're outside and you're looking through a window at you doing stand up on stage, that's what it feels like. It's like, you're there, but you're not really there. You're out of body and you're thinking and your mouth is moving because you're doing the set that you wrote because that's how by the script you are. 
but I'm actually thinking about other things while my mouth is moving and I'm performing because I already know the timing of it. Like I have it down so much that I actually can stop and think about other things on stage about like, you know, where's that guy going? Am I doing this right? What's the next joke I'm going to do? So I have to like stop myself and go like, I got to get out of my head because I'm not giving them the best show. I'm giving them like an auto tune show, you know, right. I'm phoning it in. Like, just get out of my head and I just got to be more in the moment and talk about people's expressions that they make or sounds that they make. Even if they weren't talking to me, they weren't heckling, but it, they looked at each other and said something. And I'm like, oh, I, you, know, you know what I mean? Just, just in the moment, you know? Just, yeah. I think there's a way to interact with the crowd without doing crowd work per se. No, absolutely, man. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, um, it's stairway to heaven, man. That solo on the album is fucking is is perfect. Everyone talks about it all the time, but the but the stairway live at MSG and seventy eight is different, and it's like it's because he's in the moment. He's just doing something different. Like it, he's not even looking at his fucking guitar when he does it. Like he just really just added an extra two minutes to his already legendary one minute solo, and th that's like the perfect example of that. Is like the, he's in the moment. He's still doing what he has to do. He still has the script. But there's extra things going on, and he's learning how to incorporate it all to make it still a final amazing product. I think that's I I understand yeah. what you're saying for sure. Because when people come to see you live, you got to give them a live show, not the show they would have heard on the radio or by buying a CD, you know, or watching a YouTube clip. You got to give them the live performance, like. And I think that's like something that you get from watching so much stand up and being a student of the game is how to make that transition of a performer. Are you a comedian? Yes. But are you a performer? Someone that someone pays to go watch live and you stand out live more than anyone else stands out, you know, like you're giving them something. And I think that's something hard to grasp, like grasp with your hands and it's something you can't put your finger on it, but it's there. And it's when you watch enough and you study enough, you'll like find yourself doing it, you know, being a performer, giving them a show. Yeah, dude, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, man. Fucking, you know, I, I grew up just that's all I idolized, man. Is 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 Eddie Murphy, Adam Sandler, just like it didn't matter what kind of comedian they were or what kind of movies they're into, whatever, man. I just wanted to, I wanted to be like a performer, man. And it's it, I got older now. What? Yeah, oh, I said they were giving you a performance. They weren't just being comedians. They were giving you a whole performance that you could actually pay money. And go like that was worth every penny. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Couldn't agree more. Um, I want to ask you too. Um, and I, I found this like super interesting when you're talking about it. Um, with Joe, years, but this had to be like 2018 probably. Um, because I re-listened to it again like two months back. Um, and um, you're talking about the process of like having a day job and going to do comedy at the same time. Um, which sounds tough, man. But I would imagine that's how most people who get into comedy actually get started. Like probably 90. percent Um have like their regular gig and they got to go make time to go do that, man. Um, Tell me what that struggle has been like in general, man, because it's tough, dude. You got to go to the fucking gym. You got probably have relationships. Um, You got to make money. You got to fuck, you might have a car problem. I don't know. And then somehow you got to make time to go to, you know, to an open mic, you know, and then still, make, how, how does that experience been for you, man? Um, It's, it's, uh, maybe it's not the right way to live. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing it. It's definitely burning the candle at both ends. And, and I've, I've been doing it, you know, for 14 years and, and uh, I, I've, I've never not been a hard worker. It's, it, it's, it's frustrating 
it's, it's, it's frustrating and it's tiring. And, uh, but I, I mean, I can't complain because I've gotten a lot out of it. I've gotten like, you know, uh, great gigs. I've met great people. I've gotten to tour with great people and and met bookers and I get booked up. I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't complain, but it's very tiring. It, it's also very frustrating when I see that when comics aren't willing to do it, you know, and it's, it, it kind of makes me sad or, or like, it's, it, well, it makes me sad if they're my close friends, but it's frustrating when I'll see even comics that I don't know that well, you know, younger guys and I give them opportunities like, yeah, you guys want to open for me or something. And I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I did a shift today. I'm like, you know what I mean? And I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you, I've never done that. Like I've never turned any down, down any gig because I was tired, you know? Um, I mean, if you want to have a day job, sometimes you have to, you got to pay the bills, uh, you know, especially if you have kids or you're married, you can't just quit and do comedy full time because it doesn't pay well for the first 10 years at least. So I, I totally get that you've got to have a day job, but you have to always put priorities and, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying like quit your job if they won't let you go take a gig, but sometimes, yeah, that is what that means. Because like for me anyway, stand up came first. I don't have kids. It's easy for me to say, you know, I didn't have those kind of responsibilities. But um, see, you know, some of these jobs that you have, they're just jobs, and it's not like you could get another one. You you know what I mean? It's not like you couldn't get like, oh, really? I can't replace this, you know, human resources job. You you know, it's like it's not it's a career. It's not like you went to school for this. And you, you know, and you have a mortgage and it actually pays your mortgage. So if you have that, you have to put your priorities in order. It's all about priorities. But for me personally, no kids, stand up was my number one priority, always has been, still is. And um, it's always going to come first. And I've run into jobs that I've had that have told me, you know, that I couldn't take time off and I left. My bad, Doug. My popular. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, I've left jobs because of that. And then I've had um, also places that knew that I meant business about it. I told them up front, you know, I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian and this is what I do. And if I have to go on the road for a weekend or a week, I'm going to take it off. And they don't even, like, I've had places that don't give me shit at all. Because, like, you know, I happen to always find jobs that there's just so many circumstances but um to to answer your question of what it's been like it's just yeah it's tiring it's frustrating and um how long can i keep doing it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but i will say that you're not going to have any success in it if you're not a planner right yeah no that makes a lot of sense if you a, a, a you know living life by the whim type of person it just isn't going to work like i have to plan everything you know like i like literally write it down in a calendar with times because you won't know what you'll have open to do i mean all of it are full-time jobs all of it if you're a comedian or a musician following your dreams and you also have a day job those are two full-time jobs if you 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 know even when you're not doing comedy you're writing comedy you're promoting your shows all this stuff um if you're a husband or a wife 
that's another full-time job. You know, if you're a son or a daughter, that's another full-time job. And, you know, it, it, try, taking care of your physical health and your mental health are another full-time job. So that's how you have to think of it. You're not like, you can't think of it as like day job and night job. It's like, no, I follow my dreams and all of this other stuff are just a bunch of full-time jobs. So it's just balancing them. You have to, you know, it, it, you can't just be like, well, if you're married, like, sorry, babe, I got a show tonight. So fuck you. You know what I mean? She's going to leave you. <laughs> your relationship requires time and uh, your respect. And, you know, my wife knows the deal. She knows what I do. And I was a comedian when she met me and she knows the deal, but I also respect our relationship and I reserve certain nights a week that are our nights. And if for whatever reason I get a gig on one of those, then you just switch for another night, you know, or I'll make it up to you next week, you know, and you have to have definitely understanding people around you and supportive people around you. But yeah, if you, uh, if you don't plan and you're not a good scheduler and not a good planner, it's just, it's chaos. It's chaos. It's not going to work. I mean, I've postponed this podcast with you a couple of times just from, you know, getting shows last minute, or I think we were supposed to do it last week. And then, it, and then the comedy store hit me up and said, I was doing friends and family. And, yeah. uh, but I, I hit you up today and I said like, Hey, I actually have some free time to do tonight, but I never would have known that. If you don't have every, if you don't have your week ahead of you already planned, and it was so last minute today, but but today, I've bro, I've I've uh, uh went to the gym last night, worked today, uh, hit an open mic before this, and did this, and after this, I'm gonna have dinner with the wife. Like there's, there's no way I can accomplish that if, if you're not a planner. You know, a man without a plan is not a man. I believe in that saying. Yeah, man. And uh, so anybody who says order can't be done, I just really don't have any patience for because I've been doing it for years. Yeah, man. And I'm and dude, and just doing this, man. I I totally just you get a such a high respect for everybody's time, man. Like, I mean, you're we're interviewing high level people all the fucking time, dude. People have some crazy hectic schedules, man. Like, um, and um. It's 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 unbelievable, man. I respect it so much. Like I think you even said sorry for canceling, dude. You have no reason to say sorry for anything, dude. When a, a spot <laughs> pops up for a fucking at the store, get like, dude, yeah, you did. You made the right choice, brother. Um, the ones I gotta take. <laughs> uh, anything, dude. I, I just respect everyone's time so much, man. And then, uh, I like what you said too about like, um, like people turning down opportunities because it's 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 insane to me how you would get into a field like this. And and not understand that the, everyone else is getting reps and and you're over here fucking deciding not to. Um, I I have a buddy who um who's a professional boxer right now and he's uh he's this close to getting the world title at 140. Um, and the only reason I know him is because he worked with my brother for a while. But dude, like a hard day job laborer, man, like fucking warehouse worker type shit. Like, um, ten hour shifts. Then you get off your shift. Then you run like 13 miles to your gym. Then you work out. You come home. You may have dinner with your wife and kids. You sleep for four hours, maybe. Then you go back to work and do the same fucking day all over again. You know, crazy stuff. And then he gets uh, signed by top rank, but still, like, can't really make, you're not making that much money yet. Not enough to quit your day job, you know. Um, and you still got a family to support. Got, like, three kids. So he would go fight by fight, build them up, build them up. But um, 
dude worked his way out, man. Now he's a full-time fighter, you know, making good money. But he knew even though I'm having my day job, I, there's still boxers who are all day working like their asses off. So it's not an excuse for me to not work. Like I just have another obstacle in my way. It is what it is, man. But like if they put in 10 reps, I got to put in 10 reps minimum. Like if, if it'd be ideal if I can do 12, but um, I got to do at least match what they're doing on top of my job. And that gives you more confidence too. Cause you're like, if I'm doing the same amount of spots every week as a regular comedian and I did it with a day job, I'm a bad motherfucker. Like I gives me more confidence throughout the week that, Man, my bits are going to be better. I'm getting more life experience because I'm dealing with fucking Sheila at work who's giving me a hard time about HR. You know what I mean? So you're doing, you're finding more things. You're dealing with more stuff. You're actually getting, your comedy is actually probably way more better because you actually understand real life people a lot more than some of these comedians who probably never even had a real job. Just worked at Starbucks, got great when it's impressive. It's it's really impressive to do that. But um, I think you'll have more material in the end, man, for sure. Yeah, um, impossible yeah that yeah you could have uh yeah def definitely if you're if you're out living a life a normal life that's why i feel like like you know some of your favorite comedians that you, you know whoever's listening right now that you love their best stuff is when they were hungry and poor and you know their their first specials are like always like the best few and then once they become like movie stars i can't listen to them anymore like they're not relatable you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I used to think that I used to really like Kevin Hart. I used to like, like his first couple albums were great. Yeah. I think that guy was a great comedian, it, but like his last few albums, I, I can't really listen to them. Like, like I don't relate to relate to, you know what I mean? Like I'm flying on a private yet. No, I, I don't know. I don't think it's funny because it's, it's not relatable to me. Um, but yeah, you definitely need to find time as much as you have to always constantly work hard at what you're passionate about. You also have to find time to live a normal life because whether you are a musician or a comedian or whatever, it's it's art and art comes from life and from observing people and, and just your own lives. So absolutely. Yeah. And then plus, dude, if you're just full comedian mode all the time, like that's when bad shit happens, man. Like the best comedians of all time have had some dark shit because they were just full time comedian all the fucking time. They couldn't take their foot off the brakes and then they get a Coke problem. You know, they get a fucking jacking off in front of chicks problem. I don't fucking know. There's something that they get a problem with when they just, when you start eliminating the other shit in life, you know, like your family and you know, going to the fucking park, basic shit that like you need to do to keep you normal because in a comedian's mind, you're like, fuck normal. I guess got to go hard in the paint all the fucking time all the time always put out reps just do what i gotta do so that's how i get to the top but then you finally get there and you're like shit i'm like so i'm like weak at every other category in life now like my i don't even know shit of what's going on with my finances like i don't i'm not good socially i don't like to talk to fucking people you know i'm not good like so then you find yourself with a bunch of weaknesses and you're like oh shit so i like what you're saying about finding time for balance and all that shit like the nutrition uh you know the physical fitness and finding time with your lady, all that shit is, is super important, man. And it, um, could it make the guy who's in the fucking gym a lot better, you know, the, the comedy gym, could he have more success quicker? Maybe, maybe who knows, but, um, you're the one who's living the correct way, you know, and that, and it's tough to do, man. I, I don't, you know, to do all those things without comedy is hard as fuck. You know, um, everyone's fat nowadays to do like health, nutrition, and to keep your friends in order and have a good, happy relationship, that's already winning a shit in life. You're already winning life when you have those things already. And then you're adding yeah. comedy, a successful comedy career, you know, getting paid. Um, 
I mean, a hats off to you, brother, man. You, you, you're doing it, man. You've done it for 14 years, man. And, uh, I'm impressed the whole way, man. So it's fucking amazing. Thank you, dude. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it, yes, people that may make it quicker than you or have more success quicker than you, if they don't have all those things going on and, and that may be very, very true, uh, to some, to some extent. And, but I, I'm saying like, I'm not so much comparing myself to them as much as I'm comparing myself to the people that give excuses because of their relationship or their day job, because I know it can be done. So I'd rather you do it and go after it and do it because you love doing it and just keep doing it than not do it at all. You know, um, it's never been for, for me, I've never been about like money driven with it. Um, clearly, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I've never really been money driven with it. Uh, what, you know, money came with it when I got better at it. And when I started having more success with it, money came with that. Like, you know, obviously getting paid for gigs that started to happen, but it was never driven by that. It was just, I really enjoyed doing it. It was always more art form driven. Like I've never taken one gig because it paid better over another that was just a better gig and I can actually be myself. You know what I mean? Like I've never been one of those guys. It's like, Hey, can you do 30 minutes clean? And like, Oh, it pays really well. Or do you want to do a cruise ship? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I, I don't want to like filter anything that I'm going to say on stage. Like I, it's an art form. Like I'm in it for the art. I'm not in it for the money. And it's always what's drawn me to it is, again, I'm the I'm the notebook comic. Like the structure has always drawn me to it is how to take a bit and make it and do it on stage, find what was wrong with it and fix those areas. Like that whole thing, just I love all that. It's an art form. You know, I want to talk about this. How can I make it good? How can I like manipulate the audience's minds to see what I see and paint a picture for them? It's art. And, uh, you know, if somebody starts going like work clean or work a cruise ship, but you can't say this, you can't say that. And, but, but the money's good. I I, I don't want to do that. Like, I just don't, I, I'm, I'm sure it would be great to make a lot more money and be a cruise ship comic, but that's not why I got into this. You know, if, if I got into this for the money, I, I would have quit a long time ago because it's definitely didn't pay well for a really long time. So um, I'm not interested in putting filters on my creativity. Not that I'm dying to be a dirty comic and I'm not that I'm labeling myself a dirty comic or a clean one. I just don't like putting filters of someone saying, don't do this or don't do that. Don't say that because if, if it just comes to my mind, I want to say it, you know, and I, and, and, uh, I want to say it whatever way I think is best for the story, not to cater to what I think the audience can handle. So um I guess I'm going to continue to be broke. For a while. <laughs> I love it. And have to have day job. I've been doing okay, man. I I'm fortunate enough to be in a, in a day job position where it's very seasonal and I can like come and go as I please. So the hours are very flexible. I'm like, uh, I have like a license. Uh, so I could just do it in this state whenever I kind of feel like it. So, um, I'm fortunate in, in that sense, but, um, you know, the, for a long time, it was to get to a point where my income was 50-50, 50% from that job, 50% from stand-up. And I have far exceeded that. And 
believe it or not, 2020, when everyone was doing terrible in stand-up because pandemic locked us all down, we weren't doing shows. I was doing shows. I was doing <laughs> I was doing underground shows. I was doing the shows that other comics didn't want to do because they were scared of COVID. Like, you know, all those red states that stay open. Yeah. They were all like, we need comics and no comics do it. I was like, I'll do it. I was going all over, man. And um, so 2020, 2020, 2021, and 2022, um, my stand-up income is higher than my day job income. Awesome. And so now the new goal is to be 100% stand-up. Fuck yeah. I love that, man. Well, dude, tell me, speaking of that, man, what's uh, what are your next tour dates and all that good stuff, man? So we will go find you. Oh, I got a lot. I don't know if anybody's like in, in LA. I don't do LA too often besides just spots. I'm working on shit. Um, but I got uh, um, this weekend on Saturday, I'm at the Haha Comedy Club in North Hollywood. And then and then I'm doing something. And then I'll be in Northridge and then West Hollywood. So LA people, just check my dates. It's AugustinoComedian.com. And then um, I'll be in New York with uh, Lee Syatt's going to open for me, dude. It's going to be fun. Um, I got two dates in New York and that's, uh, March 24th and 25th. And then, uh, and then I got a bunch of stuff. I got, I'm going to, uh, San Diego. I got a couple of dates in Canada. So, um, uh, everybody should check my calendar, augustinocomedian.com. Hell yeah. Lee boom, boom, Syat. Dude, we interviewed him too. That shit was fun, man. He's a, he's a good dude, man. He's come a long way. Jesus he's Christ. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's funny too, man. Yeah, dude, I saw him. Yeah, he's a good comic. See, I saw, I saw him at the comedy watching it all. The time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, a long time ago, like 2017 or something like that. It was like just when Joey convinced him to do it. But, um, yeah, good point. He's someone that studied for a long, long time, man. And uh, it's fucking cool, dude. It's cool to see how far he's been. And I've I met I met Lee the same day Joey met Lee. Like I've known him that long. I'm in the beginning, bro. You you if you asked him like you think you're ever gonna do stand up, he'd be like, oh no, not me. <laughs> We're all like, yeah, give it a few more years. He'll, he'll, you can't you can't not. It's contagious. You can't be in love with stand up and talk to this many comedians and, and and not be intrigued. Yeah, absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, well, dude, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have some free time coming up, man. So I'm gonna go try to catch one of your shows and I'll tell the listeners the same thing. And in fact, I'll put this up this week. So that way they can hear it and they can go, uh, see if they can go catch your shows. And, uh, it was an honor having you, man. I'm glad you took the time, dude. I know you got dinner with your lady and shit, like we talked about. So, um, this has been a great time, brother. Thanks for joining us. I hope it was everything you imagined. We're family now. I'm gonna do a fucking fast and furious. End it with the fast and furious. <laughs> Bro, are you gonna see Fast Ten? Oh fuck no! I stopped at Fast Three. I think I don't fucking know. Jesus Christ! Really, yeah, it got pretty bad after Paul Walker died, but um, I yeah. still kind of want. I was reading today that Fast Ten is gonna have Paul Walker in it. What? How's that gonna? Oh, they got the CGI <laughs> shit unlocked now. Ever since Star Wars, they just got CGI shit unlocked. Oh, yeah, man. so apparently they have a lot of footage from previous movies that was never used. Uh, and Fast and Furious already plays with the timeline because they go back and forth from like Tokyo Drift. It's like a lot of prequel shit. Yeah. So um, they're going to do something with like showing Brian in the past and uh, and uh, and they're going to use some CGI and some old footage. And apparently they're just they had to get like the OK from the Walker family to make sure that it was respectful and, you know, it looked good and stuff like that. And. I, that's what I heard. I heard he's going to be in it. 
Damn, dude. See, there's there's a lot of bits in here that you can use based off that already. Well, I don't want to be disrespectful to <laughs> family right now on audio and shit. <laughs> but I, I get you, man. Right on, brother. Um, thanks again, dude. I had a fucking blast, man. And um, I'll, I'll catch you soon, dude. I'll catch you out there. Probably at the ha. All right, bro. I'll see you soon. All right, man. This has been Alton Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Homeschool podcast. Homeschool. The homeschool podcast. Why? Because it was homeschool. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Okay. I don't want to do that at all.